you got your Bibles this morning, open to Isaiah. I, Isaiah is going to be like where we're, we're at today. And uh, we're in week two of our Christmas series, and we're calling it Comfort and Joy, because this is a crazy year that we've been living in. And I think uh, of anything, like this would be a time where we would need some comfort and joy. Will you agree with that? Like we need some comfort and joy. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at scripture. We're looking at the Christmas story, but we're kind of doing it through the eyes of like some classic Christmas hymns. And so last week we looked at uh, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. In a year where there seems to be a lot to dismay, we said that dismay was anxiety caused by stuff that you just couldn't control. And so, that, but this year seems like there's a lot of that. Like we just can't control what's happening in the economy and with Corona and all this stuff. But the song tells us that there's nothing that we should dismay because Jesus has come. Jesus conquers death. Jesus conquers everything. And because of that, we have good tidings of comfort and joy. That's what the lyric of the song says. And so last week when we were talking about this, we said that the Christmas season is a season of excitement, anticipation, and hope. We lay all of these emotions at the feet of the one that we worship. And hopefully, for you and for me, we put our excitement, anticipation, and hope at the feet of Jesus. It's not about the stuff that we're going to get or, you know, money coming in or, you know, family or friends or whatever. All those things are nice, but the purpose of it is that our excitement, anticipation, and hope is placed at the foot of our newborn King Jesus. In Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 23, Matthew repeats what Isaiah prophesied, and we read Isaiah's version of this last week. Matthew 1, 23, he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew tells us which means God with us. Christmas reminds us that God is not distant. God is not far off. How many of you guys have ever felt like in times of your life where like you were praying, but like, it, like just God just seemed really far off? You just seem like, man, I, I, like, God, where are you right now? Like, things are happening in my life, and it's, it's hard, it's a struggle, and it just, like, it's just really, really hard. But Christmas reminds us, this story of Jesus coming to earth, God's Son coming to earth, being born in a stable, Christmas reminds us that God is not distant. God is near to us, and He cares about you and me. With all the hustle and bustle of the season, with everything that's coming at you, with everything that you're going to have to bake. Any bakers in the house? Bakers? No? No bakers? How many of you guys are store-bought bakers, right? My grandma told me, if you got to stir it once, it's homemade, right? (laughs) If you got to stir it once, it's homemade. So you got stuff that you got to bake. You're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to go buy gifts. You're going to have to fight the Target parking lot. You're going to have to do all this stuff and all this hustle and bustle. But what I want us to remember is it's not about what we do at Christmas time. It's not about what we get. May we be reminded that Christmas in its purest form is about God with us. And so what my prayer is for you is that, that, that as all this season is happening, as you're dealing with the Christmas holidays, as you're dealing with kids who want toys that you never even heard of, and you got to go figure out what it is so you can go buy it now, you're dealing with all these things, that, that, that you just stop for a second and remember that Jesus is here. 
and he's with us. One of my favorite Christmas movies, besides Elf that we talked about last week, one of my favorite Christmas movies is a movie called A Christmas Story. How many of you guys have ever seen A Christmas Story? If it comes on every Christmas and it just repeats over and over and over and over and over again, right? So if you've seen a little bit of it, you've probably seen all of it. But the basic story is there's this kid and he is waiting and he's anticipating and he's longing for this BB gun. And it's not just any BB gun. It's an official, I have it right here, an official Red Rider BB gun, carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and that uh, tells time. That's what he wants for Christmas, right? Ralphie's mother is morally opposed to this at Santa's request and he says, you'll shoot your eye out, right? You guys have seen the story. And so this little kid, he's longing for this gun. He's hoping that, that this comes and the movie ends um, this this really movie. I mean, hopefully some of you guys have seen it. Spoiler alert: If you haven't, you know, just cover your ears, right? Uh, if you haven't seen it, he gets this gun and he actually breaks his glasses, so he does technically shoot his eye out, right? With with this gun in this thing, but he's longing for this. He's hoping for that. And in this movie, we see the longing and the hoping for Christmas. And I'm sure you've had similar longings at Christmas. Maybe you hoped one time for a new bike. Anybody had new bike hopes one time? Yeah. What about um? What about a, a video game system? Some of you guys are too old for that. Yeah. Lee Lee's good. Lee's good on video game systems. What about that Barbie doll? There's a special doll that you wanted or something like that. Uh, the latest iPhone. How many of you guys have ever wanted a smartphone for Christmas? You know what? I think I, I was watching the TV the other day, um, and they they do these car commercials where like there's the bow on the car, like. I've never known someone to give someone a car for Christmas time. I think that's like the auto industry trying to start a thing, you know, that like just doesn't exist. Like no one gives cars for Christmas, but apparently like, hey, let's just do a commercial and maybe they'll start doing it. You know, like that's what the idea is. But there's this longing and this hope. Some some people hope that, you know, he'll finally propose to, to her over Christmas. And maybe the hope is that she'll say yes. But typically in our culture, like Christmas is a time where we give gifts to one another. It's a time where gifts are shared. We don't do that really at New Year's. We don't do it at Thanksgiving, but we do it at Christmas. Why? Because the Christmas season is a time really where we're looking at the gift that God gave to us, and that is Christ Jesus. We're looking at the gift that God gave to us. And so in, in like as a, to symbolize that, we give gifts to each other. The same longing that you may have had for a gift, the same longing that little Ralphie had for the Red Rider BB gun with the compass that tells time, the same longing that he had, this is a longing that people had for the Messiah to come, for Jesus to come. They longed for, the Hebrews longed for the one who would deliver them. They longed for the one who would save them. In a similar way, God sent a man named Moses to deliver these people when they were enslaved in Egypt. The book of Exodus, if you have your Bibles, the second book in the whole Bible, it talks about how these people were enslaved in Egypt. The Israelites, the Hebrews, they were enslaved in Egypt and, and they were oppressed. And, and this, this is all a picture of you and I being enslaved to sin, being oppressed by sin. And God came through a man named Moses. Moses, who helped them, and this guy was exiled on the back of the desert, and, and, and God talks to him through a burning bush, and he says this in Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. God says this to him. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. 
And I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. What does this tell us today? That God always hears the cries of his people. Whatever you're longing for in your heart of hearts, whatever's deep down, and this is not just like, oh yeah, it would be really nice if I got a new iPhone. No, this is the anxiety and the the things that are happening inside of you, the suffering that you're going through. Whatever you're going through, God always hears the cries of his people and he knows their suffering. Psalms 34 verse 18 and 19, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Have you ever noticed that when people are going through things like this, whenever people are struggling, whenever people are like really going through suffering, they usually ask the question, where was God in this? Where was God in my, in my, my hour of need? Where was God when I was hurting? Why is God, why did God let this happen? Why is God, we only really ask these questions in those times. Like when everything's going good, when everything's going like you like it, when everything's going smooth, like we don't say, well, where's God in that? Like we just don't ask that question. But when we suffer, we ask, where is God in that? But we, but as we read here that God hears our cries, he's near to the brokenhearted and he delivers us out of our affliction in the times where you want to ask God, why? Those are the times where you need to lean into him. Because when you lean into him, you find peace and you find comfort. Don't pull away from him because the source of your peace and the comfort is God alone. God hears your cries. And so as you lean into him, he brings you peace and comfort in your time of need because God promises us to be near in those times. So when you're hurting, when you're down, when you're broken, God hears and God is near. Today we sang the third verse of O Holy Night. In the hymn, the author ties the birth of Jesus to the Exodus story. He actually ties the two together. The imagery of chains and being under oppression in the birth of Jesus comes and he declares freedom. Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. He did this in Isaiah 61. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 61 verse 1 through 3, he says this, Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah and he says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach or to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open uh, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn, uh, those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Christmas reminds us the coming of Jesus, the coming of our newborn king reminds us that God brings us freedom. He reminds us that God brings us comfort. It reminds us that God brings us joy. But it also reminds us that God brings us 
freedom. For, who, for whatever enslaves us, for whatever holds us bound, for whatever holds us captive, for whatever we're in the, the sin that so easily like just pulls us back to an old way of life that gets in our head, that, that replays over and over our past. God brings freedom to us through the birth of His Son, Jesus Christ. But as we look to the song, it's not just about the relationship between God and the oppressed. The author adds another layer as it. This is what we sang today. Truly He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Change shall He break for the slave is our brother and in His name all oppression shall cease. We can't look at those who are oppressed and be like, well, thank God that's not me. Thank God that's not me. Thank God I'm free. I mean, you're whatever, man. I mean, you're, you're not free anymore. But thank God I'm not. We can't look at them that way. We can't look at like I'm in more, I'm in a better spot. I'm more prideful. That's pride speaking to us. What we have to do is we have to wrap our arms around those who are oppressed, wrap our arms around those who are hurting, wrap our arms around those who are broken because they're, 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 uh, God did not come just to save us. He came to save them as well. There are brothers. There are sisters. So we're not only reminded about how God broke our chains, but there's an underlying invitation to participate in the freedom that God is bringing brothers and sisters who are still in chains. Christmas reminds me that God not only set me free, but He set the world free. And I can be part of what He's doing. Our response to this is twofold. Gratitude that I'm no longer in chains, but action to do all I can to still help those who are in chains. Isaiah foretold of the Messiah that He would come in and He would put everything right. Every mistake, every failure, He would deal with them once and for all. He would restore God's relationship to His people. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2-5, through The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as as with joy at harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle of turmoil and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Jesus is coming to set us free. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. For on the throne of righteousness and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus is the gift that humanity hoped for to restore our brokenness. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Jesus came for all people, not just some. 
He came for everyone. The person that you work with, the, your neighbor, the person that, that uh, the, the kid that drives too fast down your street that gets under your nerves. Like Jesus came for everyone. The person that cuts you off to get the parking spot at Target. Jesus came for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. And so what we have to do, the invitation that we have is not just to say, Jesus, thank you for coming for me. It's to say, who, Jesus, do you want me to help you reach today? Who do you want me to help you reach today? And so we have to lift our eyes from our own problems, our own issues, our own brokenness, and we have to see that God is redeeming us and God is healing us. And it's not just so God can heal us and He's done with it, because if that was the case, then like, boom, like take us out as soon as we get saved. But no, God leaves us here because He wants us to help others. He wants us to reach back after He's healed us and reach back to those who are broken, reach back to those who are struggling, reach back to those who are in chains and pull them out. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus came for all people, not just some. Isaiah 53, verse 11 and 12, Out of the anguish of His soul, he shall be see, he shall see and be justified by the knowledge shall the righteous one my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall be bear their iniquities therefore i will divide him a, a portion with many and he shall divide the spoil from the strong because he poured out his soul to death and with and was numbered with the transgressors in jesus we see the target of every hope of humanity a lot of people think, man, if I just had a little bit more money, it would be good. If I just had, a, if I just had the job that I want, if I just had the, the spouse that I want, if I just had this or that, if I just had, the, and they target their hope, they target their hope at an item. And what happens is, is when you do that, you're putting, you're putting that thing in a place where God should be. That's the idols that we have in our culture. The idols that we have in our culture aren't little like wood figures that we stick on our mantle. What they are is things that are in our wallet, things that the relationships we have, jobs that we have, uh, the, the person looking at us in the mirror. Those are the idols in our culture. And so when we're looking at what's going to deliver us, what's going to make our, uh, what is going to like basically be the hope that, that, that sustains us and all this stuff, we can't look at anything else besides the person of Jesus. Anything else is an idol. In Jesus, we see the target of every hope of humanity. Not only does he deal with every injustice and every sin and every single thing that has corrupted the, the things in our, in our world, he deals with the sin and the guilt and the shame that lives in you and I. As we read the Christmas story, we see a lot of like miraculous things. If you guys read the Christmas story, hopefully you read it. We'll read it next week. When we read the Christmas story, we see like angels coming and we see like stars in the sky and we see there's a virgin birth and we're, we're seeing all these like miraculous, crazy things. But we also see very natural things that happen. Very natural things. God didn't come to like the smartest people in, in the land to announce, uh, to announce Jesus' birth that, that, that night. Sure, the wise men came, but they came probably, if you look at the, the story, probably claiming when Jesus was a little more like a toddler than the night he was born. The people who were there the night that he was born, they were shepherds. They were farmhands. 
Like just regular old people, regular people like you and I. They were just regular people. And Jesus came to these regular guys and he, or God sent angels to these regular guys. And, and he just, and that was how he announced it. So it was a very natural thing. It was a very just kind of, it, it happened. It was ordinary. When you read the story, there was a young dad. Dad's in the room. How many of you guys have ever forgot to book a hotel room on time? I do that all the time. Well, we can't stay here because this is all booked up. Well, we can't stay here. Maybe I should plan my trips better, right? If you guys, do we have planners in the room? Anybody planners in the room? Who's not a planner in the room? Not a planner? I'm not a planner, right? So when we're booking hotels, when we're traveling down the road, typically it's like, I'm tired. I want to pull over. Is there any hotels in this town? Like, that's how I go. Because that's how Joseph goes, and I, I like identify with that, right? And so that's what happened. Joseph comes to the end. He's like, my wife is having a baby. Can you put me anywhere? And, and they're like, no, there's no room here, but you can go to the stable. And so that's what happened. It was a very natural thing. A young dad forgot to book a room. The angels didn't come to pastors or church people. They came to shepherds and farmhands in the field. In the Christmas story, we see the arrival of a baby in a Bethlehem stable. To this young couple. But it's the initial note of God's redeeming of the world. There's hope in this story. It's a reminder that when we feel like life is not what we hope for. When we go through pain. When we're oppressed. When it seems like we're not important. When it seems like we're the only, that no one else notices us. Like these shepherds that were out in the desert or out in the, the fields just doing their thing. No one noticed. No one cared. When, he, when, when we feel like we don't matter. When we feel like we're just, the life is just not working out like it should. Jesus comes as this brilliant announcement that God is near to you and I and He's coming to set us free. May we be reminded that the greatest gift that God gave the world didn't come as a powerful ruler in a palace made of gold, but he came in the village stable to spend his first night sleeping in a feeding trough. What this tells us is that God transforms our ordinary into extraordinary. Some of you think, well, I can't do anything great for God. I don't know, I, I don't know what, what, uh, you know, I see how people are acting at work. I see how people are doing things. I see how people are saying things. I, I, when I talk, I hear their brokenness. I don't know what I can do just as an ordinary person to help them. I don't know what I can do as an ordinary person to make any kind of difference in the world, but you need to know that God came to shepherds and they were the first ones to hear about God's announcement. And so God can take ordinary things and make them extraordinary. The Father responds to our cries by sending a son to Bethlehem to be born in a stable. So God takes ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. All when you respond to the voice and the message of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is respond to it. God, uh, the Christmas story reminds us that God wants a relationship with us, with people, with you and with me. It reminds us to the lengths that which he will go to have that relationship with us. It reminds us that when we call out in despair, just like the Hebrews called out in, in Egypt, he hears us. God hears our cry. And so my challenge to you is to listen to those around you because you will hear the cries of people when you listen for them. 
You'll hear the cries of people when you listen for them. And it might not sound like, oh, I need Jesus. It might sound like, I, I, I don't know where else to go. It might sound like I, 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 my, my, my relationship with my spouse or my relationship with my kids are broken. It might sound like I, 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 I'm, I can't make ends meet and I don't know how I'm going to pay my next bill. I don't know where the money is going to come from. But as we listen to these cries of oppression, we can be reminded that God is with us and that we can bring Jesus wherever we go. It may not be how we thought he'd answer, but Emmanuel tells us that God is with us.